0: That's what it's all about, podcasts and butter, baby. You little dumb motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. Bing Rames. Bing Rames talking about uh, butter. Guns and butter. I can't uh, guns, even remember. Guns and butter. Guns and butter. I mean, this is my favorite line from the movie, but I couldn't change the words without uh, removing all of its value. My favorite line of the movie is obviously when Jodie, played by Tyrese Gibson, says. Popeye your bitch ass ain't gonna do shit. Yes. <laughs> when he is throwing some shade at Popeye while watching a Popeye short.
1: Right. But that that's a little out of context. That that doesn't really have a lot to do with the movie itself.
0: Maybe it does. Eh, Maybe I it's everything. Maybe it's the turnkey to the whole thing.
1: <sighs> yeah. No, but no, come on. V- Ving Ving's got the the most quotable stuff in this movie.
0: Uh he does. Uh Ving Rhames is unreal. Uh, the only other line I considered doing for the opening was let me smell your podcast. Um, I I considered it. I considered it. maybe I should have done it. Maybe I should. <laughs> maybe that's what I should have done. Uh, let me smell your podcast. But um, David, uh, you infamously keep a spreadsheet uh, of all the movies you've seen from every calendar year uh, going back to years and years, decades and decades before you were born and what you would nominate in every category in the Oscars for each year so i I will throw random statements out of my ass like, "Oh I, I, he'd be my winner that year, whereas you bring receipts and you've actually done the math. I will say, speaking out of my ass, I think Ving Rams might be my best supporting actor winner from two thousand one.
1: The only thing I'll say that's one of the most crazy loaded years of all time. but yes, I was he thinking is through wonderful.
0: it. I was thinking through it, because yep. what the actual nominees are Ian McKellen, Jim Broadbent, uh, well, Ben Kingsley, uh, Ben performer. Kingsley, Ethan Hawke uh
1: oh ethan H- that's 2001 yeah, yeah. and uh, and john voight in ali
0: i think Vic rames is my winner i i but, mean
1: b- i the, you know some other good one i mean, buscemi in ghost world is the oh, sort of fuck. like the big fuck. hitter who missed out there fuck uh you know you got joey pants and memento you got jude law in ai
0: you got ving though making scrambled eggs and baby boy I stand by it would be it would be a, a showdown between Ving and Buscemi.
1: That's if that I'd watch that showdown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, our guest is allowed to speak at any time, any any moment that she wants to uh, butt in uh, with her opinions on this, but also can remain silent for the entire episode. If if <laughs> that is her right, if she feels she's making some good faces, very expressive deep consideration oh she's had a thought she's she's playing drums she's running in place (laughs) yes
2: uh yeah i was running
0: (laughs) uh this is kind of the end of like the king shit ving rames run though right like Mm. he's he's got this run for 10 years where he's kind of like the most exciting guys in movies
1: well, wait, or anytime he's in a movie you're like just pumping your fists and you're right yeah. after this i
2: mean i i cobra bubbles in lilo and stitch
0: Whoa, he is he is cobra bubbles i am pretty Io, good you are correct that is his last performance of that run we should say very clearly, our guest today is uh, Iowa Debrey, uh, creator of The Kaminsky Method, but also uh, from Big Mouth and the uh, uh, Iconography Podcast. Uh, and this is a, a podcast about filmographies. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Uh, I'm Iowa. About- oh. Yes, say it. You say are. it. Say it. We're putting you above the title of this episode. Uh, it's about directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby boy. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Baby boy. Maybe the only time I've gotten to do that joke on this podcast. Have we ever had a movie title that starts with baby before? I don't think so. Right. Uh, it's a miniseries on the films of John Singleton. It's called pods in the cast. Today, we're talking about um, Baby Boy, which fits a very particular type of blank check movie, which is the kind of like, you can't go home again movie. It's the like massive success early on in the career, goes a little astray, and the director's like, okay, okay, I got it. I'm going to go back to doing the thing you all liked me doing the most. Yeah, it's funny. It's also, I don't know, it's like his stealth
1: movie that people are like, well, that's his best movie. You know what I mean? It, there, like, there are certain people who might be like, "Well, you know what the Singleton, you know, real gem is is Baby Boy."
0: I think that's a wild fucking take, but it's certainly a lot of movie, and it it's maybe the most Singleton movie.
2: Um, I'm still kind of I'm am well, the "You Can't Go Home Again" part of it. I'm mm-hmm. still stuck on, but I guess I get what you mean. Like Boys in the Hood and Poetic Justice. We're all kind of like quieter. Higher films.
1: learning, Rosewood.
2: Sure, and then and then he does like Shaft, and it's like yes. big, but right, okay,
0: right, right, right. Higher Learning's, like so ambitious and messy. Shaft is him doing like a big blockbuster, and I I also think if you look at the reviews of Poetic Justice, we talk about this in our episode, but like Roger Ebert feels like was one of the only critics who kind of got that movie. And everyone else was like, what is this? Like, why is he doing this now? Sad. You know? (laughs) Sad and wrong. Right, right. And I feel like, you know, Roger Ebert was like, oh, he's like pointedly making a counterpoint movie to Boys in the Hood. Like, he's doing the flip movie. He's trying to do the opposite in a lot of ways. Um, But I think this is kind of, when you read the reviews of his follow-up films, it feels like Baby Boy is what everyone was expecting him to make after Boys in the Hood. They were like, this guy is just going to be like the chronicler of young right. black men in America. Mm-hmm. In L.A. specifically. In L.A. Like, he's right. just going to do different versions of this.
2: And then he was like, I kind of want to do other things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. To to his credit. And then by the time he came back around to do this movie, I remember the press being like, you know, him doing interviews and being like, "I'm look, this is what everyone liked. I'm doing, like, Boys in the Hood again. This is my most Boys in the Hood movie since Boys in the Hood. And then the movie just kind of came out. I think everyone was sort of like, well, it didn't really recapture the magic. Maybe that was a lighting the bottle thing.
1: Yeah, it got, like, good reviews. It did but okay. obviously, yeah. right, you know. I, you asked for this movie. So well, I just want to yes. hear. Yeah.
2: Because this is a movie. Well, but because uh, this is a movie that I kind of grew up with. Mm-hmm. And... It wasn't until I was an adult that I, like, realized that John Singleton was, like, important, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Because he was just, like, this movie was constantly on replay on BET growing up, like, all the time. To the point where I did not really like this movie
1: because... (laughs) Yeah, you got kind of sick of this movie.
2: Yeah, it was just, like, always on. And there's, like, so many, like, scenes from it that are just ingrained in my brain because i've just al- i've just always seen this movie forever um and also when this ori- this ask originally happened it was right before you had your baby
0: oh io oh. that's true I- I'm so glad you brought this up. I almost forgot My this. My baby girl.
2: Because I requested and how and how often does this have? I requested Griffin to 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 reference his own joke. Uh-huh. That he made because I thought it was good. Uh
0: it's something that uh happened it uh, happens almost never. Uh yes, cuz this was this was back in January yeah uh but but even earlier than that like I feel like months earlier than that we knew we had Singleton on the schedule we threw out like a longer list as one of our favorite people of like here are the Elaine May movies here's Singleton here's like Musker Clements does any of this jump out to you and you said baby boy so then I sent you an email following up in January when we thought we were going to record this episode before David's baby came early and uh I said uh you still want to do baby boy and then I wrote Sims is about to have a all caps baby girl of his own in March
2: and then I said hello would love to do baby boy to be honest if that's okay and then the next email I followed up and I said also you should show David this email I think you did a great job with the whole baby boy slash girl thing
0: now, I'm realizing it doesn't play as well read out. I really think it was a triumph of formatting and capitalization. I think yes. it's right, a you, visual email. Yeah. You had a space.
1: You had a, a graph break or whatever. You went into the yes. caps. Yeah. Right.
0: That's, that's exactly
1: it. Yeah. I mean, I to be clear, I did not have a baby girl. My wife did. But I was there. Sure, and, sure, and, sure. If you want to get technical. And I do... You were yeah. there
0: too, you're going to do an episode with Gorley about it, right
1: I'm going to do an episode with Gourley about uh yeah, my wife going into labor yes. called, uh, <laughs> on 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 I was there too. I was there too for the whole thing you were you were there too <laughs> um but uh, and she did come early. She was a February girl, not a March girl in the end, but um, I don't have a baby boy. I do like baby boy the movie mm-hmm. maybe so so i i o yes J- John singleton. Mm-hmm. Are there other movies that were whatever, like, formative or on replay, like, as well? like Or, or, or is it later that you come around and you're sort of like, oh, Singleton has, like... A rich filmography that I I will now investigate.
2: No, I literally grew up and have watched and rewatched Boys of the Hood, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Baby Boy, Too Fast, Too Furious, Four Brothers. You were watching all
0: these movies. It just took a while for you to unify them all as one person's career. And I think
2: that, I mean, I think it's like a combination of things like growing up, not really realizing like What (laughs) like what directing was, and like what a director was, and and what they meant, and also I think there was a certain element of him, like, um, probably being a a a a black man, and also kind of like a relatively young black man, where in my my head I I maybe minimized it to a certain extent, and and also to be honest, it's like it was on BET, and I think my brain did something where instead of being like, wow, how cool that there is this Black movie by a Black director on BET that's like a comp, like, what a great accomplishment. Um, same with Boys in the Hood and Poetic Justice. It was more like, oh, okay, like, here's a BET movie because I think when you're, you know, a Black person growing up and, like, your associations with, like, that channel are like, yeah, it's for us, but it's like, this isn't for other people then or other people don't necessarily see the same value especially when you go off to school and your base of references like it's not the same as as other people and in certain and to a certain extent is given less worth not overtly all the time but
0: no but it it is a a conversation that has been uh is is being had a lot now i feel in like uh the film community and the things surrounding the film community of just like how are canons established
2: mm-hmm.
3: you
0: know there was that big new york times piece about a criterion collection and how yes, a few and filmmakers how like, of color
2: well it was so exciting to for when like robert townsend and like his movies were like on were starting to be, like, yeah. put on there. And and not even all of them, but, like, you know, having Hollywood shuffled there and, like, understanding the importance of that. Um, and also, like, his... I mean, just he's another one, like, who his whole career to me is just, like... It's incredible, and it's so inspiring. But at the time, it's just, like, oh, okay, cool, like, BAPS is on TV again. Like, okay, I want to watch The Parenthood. Like, Five Heartbeats is on TV again. Like, oh, cool, Raw. Like, you know, it's just... You're just, like, KUX sure. is, like, stuff for us, and here we go again, it's comforting and I love it, but I didn't um, think I necessarily like attached a steam to it or anything. And now that's changed, obviously, but...
0: Right, I mean, there was, like... I feel like I saw some pushback to the Criterion piece that was, like, who cares? They're, like, a DVD company. They're not, like, the grand arbiter of what's good. But it's, like... But they have become a stamp of legitimacy in the same way... Yeah, I O thumbs down, I agree with you. Where it's, like, it's the same thing as, like, when you call a channel turner classic movies right Mm -hmm. and you curate a certain like rarefied air and you have serious men in suits presenting like these movies and like burnished wood like studies it does make any movie that plays after that introduction feel like i guess i need to take this seriously now Mm -hmm. as opposed to like what you're saying io of like if the movie's playing on bt and it has commercial breaks and like what's it sandwiched in between on the programming you know in the same way that like you know Like, a movie playing on TBS has less esteem, you know, than Mm -hmm. one playing on HBO or whatever. Right. Um, It it is important, like, the way we sort of, uh, I don't know, the way these things are presented to us. And I also think it's... Yeah, and I
2: think, think, you know, it's like now I can have the view of, like, uh, wow, how great that this was available. But I think at the time it was like, oh, cool, okay, Boys in the Hood and Baby Boy have, like, the same sort of association to me as like the parkers
0: sure sure. like
2: like a martin rerun which is also again not um i'm not downplaying the importance of either of those things but i think just in my head it it put it in a different canon and and then i'm like okay scorsese is a different type of guy altogether he's Mm -hmm. just he's just in a different school and and there we go
1: but like this is also like by far his most like formally adventurous movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. His sort of most like low concept movie. Like it it's it's weird that it's sandwiched in between Shaft and Too Fast, Too Furious, like his most obviously, you know, commercial franchise things that yeah. like he sort of slunk off and in between he was like I'm gonna do "Boys in the Hood" without a message and with way more kind of weird, dreamy imagery and like sort of fast-cutting storytelling. You know, like you know, like it's and and he wrote this as a novel first. I mean, no, I don't know. It's just like I'm trying to think of the within the blank. Ch- it's it's kind of. It's not his blank checkiest movie because that's probably like Rosewood, right? That's probably... But
0: in certain ways it is. I mean, I think was going to make that argument. This is where, like, when people get, like, nitpicky about our definition of blank check and who is a blank check director and who isn't, what movies are blank checks yes. and whatever, where it's like, first of all, we fucking... we We're malleable with it to fit what we want to talk about. But right. also, like the notion that because this movie only cost $15 million, it is less of a blank check than Shaft Mm -hmm. costing 60 is it's like, this is a wilder movie to make for 15 than Shaft is for 60. Like Mm -hmm. the freedom he had to have that budget for this movie to execute it in this way is bananas. And that's not something that happens even if it's a smaller budget, unless you've gotten to that point in your career. I
2: feel like if like, having a movie where there's a scene of Snoop Dogg smoking weed to a Bootsy Collins song doesn't <laughs> qualify it, this as a right. blank check movie, then I don't know what does.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> a man fully open, like in utero, like a grown right, man <laughs> floating in, in fluid.
0: <laughs> but this is like Tyrese's first movie and Snoop Dogg's first movie?
2: Yeah, and one of Taraji P. Henson's first
0: as yeah. well. But it's, like, he essentially, like, minted three movie stars. Like, because the selling point of this movie... Obviously, like, Tyrese and Snoop Dogg are very well-known. They're incredibly famous at this point in time. But it still says something about the fact that, like, up until this movie, John Singleton is kind of the biggest name attached to any John Singleton movie. And Mm -hmm. even when he did Poetic Justice and it's like, oh, fuck, he's working with Tupac and Janet Jackson, it's like... Can you believe Tupac and Jan Jackson are in a John Singleton movie? Like it was like legitimization for them. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, in doing research for these episodes, when I do like I I try to read so much of like the press from when the movie was coming out, like promotional interviews from before to try to figure out what the attitudes and expectations were. Mm -hmm. Like He's always front and center. You know, he's, like, the spokesperson for his movies. He was, for a moment there, one of those directors who became, like, a publicly known figure in -hmm. his own right. And um, the Baby Boy Press is all, like, he's going back to his roots. He's making the small, like, young man movie again. He's, like, going back to South Central uh they're releasing it in the middle of the summer like it's 15 million dollars but it's coming out like with a major studio push a summer release he's got two big like music stars in it and then a year later too fast too furious comes out and i remember like being at an amc theater walking by the too fast too furious poster looking closely at it and going like this is directed by john singleton and then when I went home to my dad, I was like, Do you know that John Singleton directed the Fast and Furious sequel? And he's like, That's you must have that wrong. That's impossible. Like, if John Singleton was directing a movie called Too Fast, Too Furious, that was a sequel without Vin Diesel, that that we would know about that. And it was like they were hiding him in the press for that movie. Like that was so a four-higher job in terms of the positioning of it, you know? Although that movie is very bizarre and individualistic. But I do think, like, this is the last time it's like a John Singleton movie kind yes, of means is. a specific thing.
2: I feel like something for me that happens, I don't know, is like, and I'm sure you've talked about it in like the other episodes, but like sometimes I just, it feels like lately history is just happening every day. <laughs> so things move <laughs> so, so quickly and you kind of like forget the importance of. Things and also to be honest, there's no like VH1 I love the '90s, so you don't really understand, like. I sometimes am like, what are the big moments? Like, what do they really mean? And it's like <laughs> sure. he was the youngest person to be nominated for best director, in addition to being the first black man, like breaking like yep. so many yeah. barriers at the same time.
0: And like and and youngest best screenplay nominee, I think we figured out as well. And and I mean, and I O, you said like your understanding of him at the time that you were watching these movies on TV and being like, I guess he's relatively young. He's thirty three when this movie comes out, which is pretty wild to consider that he's made five movies. That's insane. By thirty three, that's insane. That actually is crazy. Right? Like, if he had not died,
1: there's a whole because like his career had sort of Mm -hmm. petered out, and then it was sort of. Starting to come back with, you know, the TV show he was, right, you know, he was kind of, like, maybe igniting, a, and, like, there could be just a whole second act of his career, like, his 50s, most likely. 60s, you know, like, yeah. Most
0: likely, I mean, he, there are, like, things, what was the, uh, oh, Samuel Jackson had something he was going to do with him. Uh-huh. I found some interview where he was talking back on Shaft, and he's like, but we're on good terms now. There's, like, a script I've been developing with him that I think we're going to do. He said he was writing something new for Taraji P. Henson and Tyrese that wasn't, like, literally a Baby Boy sequel, but he wanted to do another thing with them.
2: And he just, co- like, was, like, co-created Snowfall, which, right. like, actually is pretty good. Um yeah. And, like, I, I just also am imagining, like, in addition to maybe that other second act, like, he cared a lot about Black people. And, like, when you hear, like, there's, like, interviews of him, like, talking about Black people and especially, like, Black people in art. And I can't help but, like, imagine a second act where he was, like, producing and maybe mentoring other young filmmakers. Maybe
0: that was the period that was going to happen next. But it felt like, uh, here's another thought I had. Like watching this, he created movie stars out of so many uh musicians, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that is like there was not a very robust crop of uh uh sort of bankable, like studio green lightable young black leading men mm-hmm. at this point in mm-hmm. time. And I have heard people criticize that it was sort of like, well, there's a self-perpetuating problem. If you only give those parts to people who aren't actors but are known as musicians first and foremost, then you're not letting actors get those breakthrough opportunities that arguably like Morris Chestnut and Cuba Gooding got in the first movie. You're only creating a new generation of ice cubes, which perpetuates the idea of those are the only bankable black leading men of that generation, right? But you do look at like now in 2021, there is such a robust crop of like, there's this generation of Kaluuya and Stanfield and Michael B. Jordan and all these guys where you're just like, man, it would have been exciting to see him get to make movies with any of those guys. Um, Yeah. You know, like, and you can kind of imagine any of those guys being like, now that I have clout, I want to make a John Singleton movie. Like, I want to use that clout to help John Singleton get... Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and five-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: Let me get into some of the context of Baby Boy. Let's talk Baby Boy a little bit. As you said, Griffin, he wrote it as a novel initially. That's where the womb stuff comes didn't, from. It didn't
0: complete it, right. But he started yeah, writing like started it off, it a novel.
1: Off, right. yeah. um, and I mean, this this is the quote I have to read, Griff. I assume you're looking at our mm-hmm. doc on this, but like it's so funny, just like with like, what's the genesis of the project. And he's like, the idea came from me sitting around the Crenshaw Mall, South Central L.A., watching these cats. They walk in with no shirts on. They're like 20 years old. They're flirting with teenage girls one minute. Then some other guys come to the mall and there's a fight. I thought I want to write about one of these cats. What's he doing with his life? Just wandering around aimlessly. All of the hero's actions are defined by his fear of dying. He has this I don't give a fuck attitude that allows him the freedom of not realizing he's afraid. So he's just like seeing people hanging out and yeah. he's like, well, what's up with these guys? That, that's a movie like that. That's that's what he's sort of like rubbing stones together. Essentially.
0: Well, this is the other subgenre that this movie falls into. That is one of my personal favorites, which is kind of like director imagines what their life would have been like if things had gone different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like, because you consider that he was making Boys in the Hood at the age of this character. Yes, and I think it is it is him looking at the mall and being like, "It like you know, it, it things." I I I have an Oscar nomination. I made five movies, but just as easily, none of that could have happened. I have,
2: I had an Oscar nomination. I I uh defied expectations uh and I'm at the mall.
0: Right, right, like. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's the reason I love, and we talked about this extensively on when we did the episode on this, but it's the reason I love Ed Wood so much is I do feel like Ed Wood is Tim Burton looking at Ed Wood and being like, I don't understand why I'm successful and this guy isn't like, I don't understand what the differences between the two of us other than people like my movies and they don't like his. And I think Singleton has that same kind of thing where it's like, there's like a very fine line here. Uh, and so much, you know, his films are, I feel like, if anything, the biggest theme of his movies is, like, you know, fathers and the lack thereof and how they define uh, development in lives, right? Yes. Um, and and this is sort of like, okay, what what happens if I don't have a dad around? Maybe. You know, whereas, like, Boys in the Hood is so much about what if you get sent to your fathers and he kind of shapes your entire life. Um that's that all makes sense i mean also there's the tupac thing of
1: like he's writing this for tupac right right and it seems like he feels like a lot of kinship with tupac as a fellow like slightly wayward person who got famous really young and was overwhelmed by it like right like you know there he's really shaken up by tupac
0: dying uh yeah i mean this is the amazing tupac uh quote which is from a hollywood uh reporter piece where he says uh He had all... uh, Tupac was was a baby boy. He didn't know whether he wanted to be a thug or a revolutionary. He had all this brilliance, but not enough time or purpose and no mentoring at all. And by the time somebody was ready to mentor him, he wasn't ready to accept it. That's this whole thing of this generation thinking they know everything and they don't know shit. And um, that was from an interview he did, like, late in his life in 2014, where he was sort of looking back on his whole career. But uh, he was, like, pitching this movie to Tupac when they were making Poetic Justice. He was, like... You know, this is your mean streets, and then now I'm going to make your taxi driver. You know, I'm going to make your raging bull. Like, you're going to be my De Niro. Uh, Here's the movie I'm writing for you. It's going to be the one that, like, legitimizes you and gets you an Oscar. And then, yeah, when Tupac died, the movie sort of got, like... Stalled. Slowed down for a while. Right, Right, until I think he felt, maybe while being gummed up in, like, the gears of Shaft, like, I want to get back and make something
1: more personal again. it is. I, I guess I just didn't realize that Taraji had not been in anything. Obviously, Tyrese like is is a find as an actor. He takes this to Columbia, and like they're the only studio that wants to make it because of Boys in the Hood. They're like, all right, you know, we can mm-hmm. sell it as like it's a quote unquote spiritual sequel.
0: Well, and this is another like thing to think about is. There was a point in time where a major studio could look at a movie like this and go, it only costs us $15 million. What's the risk? We'll still release it wide in the middle of summer against blockbusters. Yeah, right. But whatever. And now studios just don't even bother with a movie this small. It would not even be a consideration for them, even though it's kind of hard to lose money on a movie of this size. Yeah, I don't think this movie lost money, right? After after Singleton died, his family sued Sony, and they paid him half a million dollars in royalties from this movie that they had been hiding. Wait, really? Classic studio bullshit, right? Yes,
1: yes. Um, but you know, it cost fifteen million dollars. It made thirty, right? You know, like I'm sure Sony was like, "Yeah, sorry, it didn't." It, you know, right? They like sold it it for a
0: bunch of money to cable, and it probably sold a bunch of DVDs. Yeah, I've
2: watched it so many times. Right.
0: um and i mean so yeah henson like she's
1: basically done some tv stuff she's just like a crazy fun now i i guess i didn't realize that like yeah she she is she's like the
2: breakout star
1: she's so i mean she's rarely bad taraji p henson Uh but she is so
0: good in this movie yes
1: and it's sort of similar to like a lot of those other early performances i feel like that she stood at like hustle and flow where like she, but but hustle she's... and flow
0: is also singleton like that's singleton no I know yeah yeah right. pushing but, but her through right yeah but
1: just she's so like vulnerable and relatable and yeah. like mm-hmm. kind of like so funny and so tra- yes. like she uh, it's
2: got like Regina Hall level energy that's how I felt like yes. there were just certain yeah. scenes where it's like it reminds me of how I feel when I watch early Regina Hall where I'm just like you're so magnetic and full of energy and like just it like it's there you even though she's acting it's not me deriding any acting ability but there is a thing where it's just like oh my god i feel like you're just being yourself like you're just being authentic yes even as she's playing a character which is like so cool and not easy to do
0: no no and and taraji is just one of those like jesus christ careers are so fucking long people you know mm-hmm. where it feels like you have like multiple kind of false starts where it's like as you said she just essentially does tv until this movie right yeah, and, be, and little little tiny yeah like guest, yeah, spots. Yeah. guest spots guest yeah. spots after this she gets stuck on the division for 66 episodes a yeah. show that like runs for years and her and like john Hamm and a bunch of other highly capable actors just cash paychecks while not really like getting any attention right yep and then it it really is like four years later Four Brothers and Hustle and Flow, a movie Singleton directs and a movie Singleton produces. He pushes her through again and is like, what do I have to do to make people notice this woman? Hustle and Flow is the one where I feel like people like stand up and take attention. Then she's in this run of like, okay, now she's getting like supporting parts and shit. She's in like Smoking Aces and Talk to Me. And then Benjamin Button, Oscar nomination. Yep. And then even post Oscar nomination, it feels like people don't really know what to do with her. Yeah, she does a
1: lot of movies, but it's only, like, um, Tyler Perry giving so, her,
0: like, a Tyler lead Tyler Perry's role, the right? first person yeah. to put her above the title. She has, like, you know, a nothing paycheck role in Date Night as one of the cops. She's the mom in Karate Kid, where she's, like, the Oscar nominee you add to that cast to add a little bit of weight, right? And then, you know, Larry Crown, like, the Think Like a Man movies, but also at the same theaters. period of time, she's on fucking 55 episodes a person of interest. Oh, yeah.
1: She was the second lead.
0: She quits that show of. because she's like, all the fucking marketing is just Emerson and Cavizel. It's three people on the show. I'm nominated for a fucking Oscar and you don't put me in any of the ads. So she quits and then her career like takes off. Like right. then it finally happens where like Empire happens. What's well,
1: Empire? Right. Yeah. yeah becomes yeah, yeah. humongous
0: right. and then she becomes a leading lady. It's wild, but, but that's like a 20-year journey, essentially.
1: And she probably still doesn't get enough respect. I don't know.
0: Well, I uh, David, next next year, she, of course, is voicing Belle Bottom in Minions, The Rise of Gru. So that's when the career really peaks.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> that's so hard being a black actor. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, and then Tyrese. They're, like, uh, I
2: don't,
3: I don't uh... like...
1: We have to have a Tyrese conversation. We have, where to like, have a Tyrese conversation. I think it. he's good in this movie. I think mm-hmm. he was this very like interesting presence in these movies he made early on. Like post this, right? I, I like him in honestly. I like him in too fast or furious, Same. playing kind of a different character than he ends up playing.
2: Okay, but bef- I just want to say Tyrese is a really good singer. And great yes.
1: singer obviously.
2: His solos as well as his work with tgt
1: three kings is
2: iconic Mm -hmm. and i feel like that bedrock also he's insane
0: yes yes i mean if you look at tyrese's social media he's a he's a lot of person
2: he has a Hana in his backyard
0: okay all right but this
1: is my question this is my question with Tyrese. Because you look at the...
2: Does he still get hibachi from the Benihana in his backyard? <laughs> is that your question? <laughs>
0: he also has, think- like, full-size Transformers in his backyard. Yeah, Have this you seen is those my photos? question. Yeah. Like, Is right. there a point at which that...
1: He kind of tipped that way? Or was that I always Tyrese's energy? No.
0: No. You, okay. Well, I, what's your take? This is
2: my personal thought. This is my personal okay. thought. And okay. Okay. Uh, this is and and i i'm if i don't really this is my thought and to the black people who listen to this podcast you'll know what i mean there's just there's just (laughs) there's just men when they get money everything that was already going on underneath there (laughs) that it just gets more it just amplifies it's it's
0: like how drinking just intensifies all the traits that are already there
2: (laughs) sure sure He was sure. always gonna want to make Betty Hanna at three in the morning and have a Zansari. sorry. He was always gonna want to have Transformers in their in his backyard. They were probably just gonna be like small, and he's just gonna be that <laughs> weird dude who like plays with his kids Legos. Now they're huge.
1: Now they're huge. Now they're life <laughs> like, quote unquote life size or what? I don't know. What, I mean, life size would be even bigger, I suppose. But yes, but like, it, Transformers is the moment where he turns into current Tyrese. actor you know current screen Tyrese which is just like a guy who is in Transformers movies Fast and the Furious movies and not much else and as you say is kind of crazy on social media and that's the whole vibe right like that's kind of it right
2: pretty much
1: I guess he's in Morbius
2: he was on the Masked Singer
1: he was on the Masked Singer he was the Porcupine he was Robopine Robopine yeah yeah. (laughs)
2: right like he's a celebrity now like he's like or, or I mean he always was but like you know what I mean Like his identity is that he is A celebrity and he's like a figure Yeah
1: and he's fun And goofy right.
2: It's so hard to be a mononym That's what happens when you're a mononym too I yes. feel like Where it's like he's Tyrese
0: <laughs> That's the other weird thing is it's like As you said his music was really good, right? And was, like, pretty, like, earnestly soulful, right? And when he starts out as an actor, he's playing all these, like, very serious, intense young men. You know, like, that was very much how he was positioned as a movie star. And then at some point, he becomes, like, a goofball. And I like how they use him in the Fast and Furious movies now. But, like, when we talk about Too Fast, Too Furious next week, we're going to have a rude awakening trying to, like... When you go straight from like too fast to Fate of the Furious, they're fundamentally different people. They he has nothing to do with each other. The comic yeah. relief of the franchise—he's the goofball. He's the guy who's trying to puff out his chest and like everyone like knocks him down. And like the twi- the the Transformers movies, it's like oh, it's incredibly weird that Tyrese is in like three Transformers movies and is in them a lot and does a lot, but doesn't really have any specific impression that he makes. Like he's just a guy running around and screaming at Transformers him and Josh
1: Duhamel they're soldiers right I I just remember there's a lot of scenes where they're like thank you Transformers and like you know salute them and stuff
0: but he had this moment where uh, on social media I feel like maybe after Fast Five or Fast Six when he was like I've realized I've been wasting time. I have all this power. I should be, like, one of the great actors of my generation. I'm going to start doing serious shit. I want to start playing serious roles, right? And he was like, I want to play Nelson Mandela. Like, he started, like, just, like, stating, like, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to get up there with, like, the greats. And then this audition tape leaked out of him auditioning for Django in Django Unchained that everyone clowned on online it was sort of like a a smaller scale version of the chris klein Mamma mia thing where it was just like oh this is a guy like wildly overreaching and people kind of had this attitude of like why is tyrese trying to pretend that he's a real actor and it's like but he kind of was he He, he was he was
1: no but he he definitely was was early on you're like oh yeah this guy's talented like when he's in like annapolis and like flight of the phoenix like these are not great movies but he's he's
0: he's good and I still think he's good at what he does. Like, he's become a good personality, as you said, Io. Like, he has become mm-hmm. good at being Tyrese the celebrity and being able to be Tyrese in movies. But it is fascinating that there was a point in time where he was really being groomed as, like, a a kind of really potent leading man.
2: Okay, somebody who kind of reminds me of this journey, and I feel, and and feel free to disagree, but I think it's maybe an apt comparison... Also, because of the role music plays in it is uh, Yasin Bey, formerly known uh-huh. as most deaf, mm-hmm. who like actually like started as a child actor, I think, and then became a rapper. but then in the in the midst of that was like showing up doing his little things, bamboozled, monster's mm-hmm. ball, brown sugar, mm-hmm. look uh, the Italian job you will
0: be like in the woodsman. Yeah, yes. he's in. Yes, so well. good in the woods. Doing Top Dog, Underdog on Broadway. Like there yes. was that moment where people were like, "Is is like most deaf Tom Hanks."
2: I mean, he really could have been. He could have been. Mostef is a very good actor.
0: I agree. And he like is one of those guys who is simultaneously a very good actor and capable of doing just the movie star shit when he needs to.
2: I did uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and Be Kind to of Rewind watch when I was back at, when I was in quarantine. And I was like, this man is
0: good. He's great in both of those.
1: He's really fun in those movies. He Did he just stop? He just kind of feels stopped, like right? he kind of chose not right. to do he it. he just kind of put it down. It feels like, yeah. yeah.
2: I wonder if he lost passion for it, or also I think that stop kind of coincided with like more. I mean, he always was um, very political, but I th- there I feel right. like there was like a lot more protesting and the name change as well.
0: Right. Right. And, and like his music career changed as well. Like mm-hmm. I, it does feel like he just kind of got understandably a little freaked out by like celebrity culture and tried yeah. to ground himself in some more it's shit. Bad. Yeah. It's
1: pretty weird. Well, this is the thing you have to be in this stupid machine and right. do supporting roles in studio movies and like what you, mm-hmm. Right? like. And it's like, it must be such an exhausting and irritating ladder to climb anyway but especially yes. if you're also like a famous black rapper. Like I yeah. just can only imagine how exhausting and annoying the meetings with, you know, producers and honchos and, so, you know, and like the the process of trying to get scripts that are interesting and like, you know, I then I, 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 Tyrese, it feels like just I don't know what. You know, how I, think, his...
0: I think Tyrese loves being famous. Like I think right. that he's the just difference. like you know what? Yeah. I'm going
1: to be Tyrese, and I'm going to be Roman on Fast and Furious, and I'm going to be super famous. and I'm going to have Transformers. You know, even
0: movie movie that I think is underrated, and I bring up a weird amount on this podcast. I think he's very good in Black and Blue. That was like the one time recently I've it. seen him give an early Tyrese performance. The one with Naomi Harris, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yes. The the body
2: cam. Oh my gosh, that movie. came out like last year yeah. or something, or two years ago. It came
3: out. Ago, 2019
0: yeah so right fif- 15 years ago
2: Well, and now i'm gonna get sad about naomi harris now
0: well she's yeah it's fair to get sad that is the only time naomi harris has ever been the lead of a movie which is wild to think about but uh he's really good in that he's good. In that. i've also i've never seen Waste deep
1: i don't know if you guys have seen Vonnie curtis hall's Waste deep
0: uh, I have people good. like that movie. I feel so like maybe that's, he's good in that. I feel like that's the end of original flavor, Tyrese, mm-hmm. right? Because like that's 2006, and Transformers mm-hmm. is 2007, and then it's Transformers: Death Race, Transformers: Two Legion, Fast Five, Transformers: Fast Six, Furious Seven. Oh, an
2: interesting like dual high moment. I feel uh, like 2006, seven. I Feel like that's sort of Megan Good, Megan Good peak and then it goes up down and then it goes up down a little yes. great to see her in Shazam happy for the girl so good to see her hey,
1: in Shazam hey. Shazam had the highest rate of I'm excited to see this person like cameos right where you're just like hey good yes. for that guy <laughs> yes. good for her
0: Well, I, but, but also the great thing is it's now like oh you're telling me you're making a Shazam 2 where Megan Good is going to be one of the leads Right? yes all please it? Yes. give me all of that you got yeah I'll take as much as you have uh, I feel like I had this exact conversation with you, Io, maybe on iconography. Um, about Shazam? Y- yes, for this reason. My slam on Zachary oh, Levi yes, yes, in yes, Shazam yes, yes, yes. is Zachary Levi is playing quote unquote a yes. kid, and Megan Good is so specifically playing that. No, everybody, young uh,
2: yes. No, Megan Good and also um my boy, Adam, um Brody. Adam
0: Brody nailed nailed playing Grazer, right?
2: Also, Adam Brody. I want a brody song.
0: I think we're we're close. We're, we're close. I, I,
1: I think we're close to a brody song. I'm not going to say
2: it's going to happen or not, but I feel like, okay, we all loved The Shazam. We got excited to see in promising young woman. Yeah. Despite any feelings about that movie, I won't reveal them. Um, Kid Detective was
0: great. <laughs> Kid Detective sure. was haven't seen it. No people love it. A lot of
1: people are watching Kid Detective, scooping that one up and being like, hey, you know, there's here's something.
0: So, like, that's happening. There's
2: something. Let's talk about Brody. That's all I'm saying. I'm laying the seeds.
0: He's really good in, in Ready or Not, a movie I don't Great. love, but I feel like he's the one actor who's totally on the right wavelength in that movie. He's
2: locked in. He's locked in and he's ready to work. He's
0: ready.
1: I have to assume a Brody-sense means television. Not because he can't be in movies just because they're just i don't know doesn't that make sense like it's just not enough movies
2: as well i think it's like what you're feeling is is is, 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 you also want something something complete you want something a little bit cyclical you i I, not to speak for you
0: i mean i i would love to have see him have a a show, perhaps a streaming show with short seasons that really makes good use of him and allows him to keep doing these types of film roles he's doing. But give him like an anchoring leading project to, to go in The between, only
2: yeah. reason why I don't want that is because I feel like there's too much TV and <laughs> as somebody who... And so I'm saying I, I want him to keep this movie train going.
1: That's that's how I, I would prefer it to, but I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's tougher. But, you know, I, I, and in general, here for the Brody Sons, honestly, he's looking better than ever. He's looking he like
2: great. fantastic. Him and Layton keeping it tight. Mm hmm.
1: Mm hmm. Him and Layton is just an interesting, it's a great couple where they're, they're explicitly like, we were both on Josh Schwartz shows. That was our bond. Like, yeah. That's how we got to know each other.
0: So odd. Uh, so, yeah, the, right. We've talked about Tyrese and uh, uh, Taraji now. We touched on Ving just being, like, in the absolute zone.
2: Are we gonna? Are we movie- just going to briefly mention Monique coming in, doing the work, or Ooh. A.J. Johnson? The
1: who- only complaint is more, please. You know, that's yes. the problem. Like, well, A.J. Johnson is really fun in yes. this movie. She's got a lot. She actually has several fun scenes. But Monique, I was like, holy shit. And then, like, she's really just in, like, a couple scenes. I think she's
0: only in the one
2: scene. But at yeah. that time, yeah. she was like, yeah. I don't know. I think, and who's to say, but, like, you know, sometimes you see, like, a working comedian in a movie, and you're like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So I feel like she's, like, you know, she's Monique. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's like she came in and she did she did the work. She's great. She did the work and there was going to be more in the future.
0: Uh yes, a lot more and then a lot less was the arc. Yeah, well, unfortunately.
2: It was really cool when she was at the when she was at the Oscars though and she was dressed like um like the black woman who won the first Oscar.
0: That was cool. It is interesting, Io, because like I do feel like a lot of stand-up comedians, when they come in for a scene like this in a movie, even if they pop, it's like, well, you're just now kind of hijacking the movie and doing your shit, right? Yes, yes. Like I, I think of most of the 90s uh, Chris Rock film appearances are just like, and then the movie just gets handed over to Chris Rock for five minutes, you know? Sure. <laughs> Or anytime he's on screen or whatever. And Monique was someone where even when she's funny, it's like she does always understand what movie she's in.
2: Yes. Yes. Another person who's excellent at that, Chris Tucker. C- correct. Who is, who is like, has a lot of energy. But yeah. he'll be like, well, I know you hired me for my energy. I also know that this is a sci fi movie or this is jackie brown and i'm about to spoiler alert yes die. but I you can't... were
0: saying you just re-watched jackie brown and that's such a yeah. good example of like you know that's the year before rush hour when mm-hmm. he's like okay this is my movie i do whatever the fuck i want there's no yeah. way i can break it but yeah. to to quote the meme you watch jackie brown he understood the assignment mm-hmm. you watch fifth element he understood the assignment Silver Lining's playbook he's really fucking good in.
2: Yes, he's really uh, good. He's Silver really Linings fucking playbook. good in that.
0: He's great in Silver Lining playbook. He's
1: honestly good in Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. I'd love him to do other things.
2: Uh, where is he? Uh? Uh,
1: I don't know where the fuck is he. You where tell me. Where is he? Uh? <laughs> I, I know he's had like weird tax things but like he's really
0: not doing anything anymore. Jesus, he hasn't done it's Rush Hour three, two thousand seven. Silver Linings Playbook, twenty twelve. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, twenty sixteen. Nothing since that's then. it. Yeah. That's it. Damn. And he does nothing between Rush Hour two and three. Anyway, he's not. In this but
2: movie. it's also like this thing where you and I don't know if this is a, how I feel about this. This statement is, you know, um, take it as seriously or as lightly as you want to. But like, I feel like you you used to be able to like be a movie star. Mm-hmm. And do that, and like take really long space between projects, and everything like the it, 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 nature just, of social media and all right, that he was stuff. Tr-
0: trying to do a Warren Beatty.
2: Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, most anyway, Monique is fantastic, and she is, and also Omar Gooding.
0: Omar Gooding, yes. Which is, I, I that's always a thing I like when a director works with like multiple members of the same family. <laughs> yes.
2: There's a there's a Gooding dynasty happening
0: yeah because the son what's the son's name who was in book mason he's really good
2: we went to school together really yeah he studied dramatic writing
1: hey is he nice
2: yeah what if i was like no
1: (laughs) i don't know i'd be like all right i could could see that
2: no he's nice we're happy for him
1: mason gooding apparently is in the new scream
2: i'm really happy for him
1: the upcoming scream
2: (laughs) It was also it was really something like uh, I don't know in school where I remember just being like why are you here <laughs> like why are you studying writing
0: <laughs> sure right Just like, go be a movie star
2: yeah you just look like a movie star what's going on why are you here but he also was a he was a good writer okay hey, no hey now I guess he already had acting unlocked let me mind that teaches me mind my business
0: <laughs> we'll dig into the the proper plot of the movie in a second but I do just want to call out before we get into it the The Snoop Dogg factor here is interesting just because Snoop Dogg was so fucking famous and kind of was in like a decade of the 90s where almost every breakout rap artist ends up also doing some movies or TV had kind of stayed away from that. Like it felt like a big deal that Snoop Dogg was like in this movie above the title on the poster. Here's a dramatic part of him playing a character. And then you watch the movie and he's like not in the first 75 minutes. And you are like, why is Snoop Dogg in on the poster? And then he comes in and he kind of hijacks the entire movie. Like he sort of becomes a black hole of just like, well, Snoop Dogg's charisma is so bizarre that the entire movie kind of gets sucked into whatever he's doing.
1: Yeah, he's actually good in this movie because he's playing an unsympathetic and scary character. Mm-hmm. He's kind
0: of like the Ray Liotta in something wild of this movie.
1: Right. Like, I think I figured he would phone be phoning it in and he is not. It's funny. No, we he's should really cl- like, th- Yeah, this is the year that he's in Training Day. He has, if you remember, okay. a small role in Training Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. In this and in Bones, the Ernest Dickerson a vampire movie where he's a vampire one of ben's favorite movies this this is the the snoop movie year this is right he had done like some cameos and like a straight to video thing but like this is when he's like all right here i am and then post this i feel like he's like okay if i'm gonna be in a movie it's like starsky and hutch like i'm right i'm just doing like a version of myself
2: because probably after this, he was like, wait, I like acting and I'm good at it. But also it's like hard work and you have to be on right. the set for days and hours. Um, and so that part sucks. But showing up in a TV show and being myself or showing up in a movie and basically being myself, that's great. Or being like in Soul Plane, that's incredible.
0: Right, right. This year, 2001 is The Wash, Bones, Training Day, Baby Boy. The and, Wash as well. That's right. Four right. movies. And then it's like... Okay, he voices Ronnie Rizat in Malibu's Most Wanted. He appears as himself in Old School. Then he's Huggy Bear and Starsky in Hutch. The next year, same year as him playing the captain in Soul Plane, who, spoiler alert, dies pretty early on. He's the voice of uh, the fucking Basset Hound in Racing Stripes. Yep, uh, yep, Because he has one of my favorite trailer lines, If that's a horse, then I'm a D-O-double-G. Which, it's like, you are a dog. That's your character that's you are a what does that mean what is the (laughs) implication of that line um right but then he essentially just kind of plays himself or does like a a, a one hour of voiceover work and shit and i also feel like around that point starts to become like the parody version of himself where he's like hosting snl Uh and doing like doggy fizzle televizzle you know (laughs) which like Leads to him just being like, I don't know. I do a show with Martha Stewart now because isn't that funny that the two of us are friends?
1: He's also funny in 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 the Beach Bum playing laundry.
0: I oh, he's great in Beach Bum. I I just
1: the Snoop Dogg conversation is complicated. in the In the '90s, I feel like he was someone that like my parents were supposed to be scared of me listening to his music, right? Yes, like that's the Snoop Dogg thing, like how oh, that that the <laughs> yeah. Snoop.
2: Yeah, well, the horrors that would happen to you specifically. You know David. what I mean? <laughs> oh.
1: Like, yes. he was like, he was like sold to I mean, obviously, like, you know, young people loved him. And I feel like he was like someone that tabloids were just like,
0: that That man is, he's a murderer. He he's was terrifying. in a gang, right? You know, right. Yeah. He's like,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: by 2002, right around... every single white person is making Izzle jokes.
1: Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. right around here, he becomes this like package that is will being you apologize sold.
2: <laughs> on behalf of white people will you apologize i will apologize I think for the there's
1: a lot jokes. of apologies this and is the feeling yeah.
2: our nation needs to have kind of i mean it's like we he
1: started a gaming you know team he like endorsed uh beyond meat at some point it just sort of feels like he's like if you want to be in business with snoop dogg like let, let put forward you know what, what? What's the angle?
0: How how do you sell it around his persona? That is
2: so scary! Oh my god! On
0: on one of my uh, uh, cell phone games I play, when you have to like watch an ad in order to get more lives or whatever. Uh huh. One of the ads that keeps on coming up is some like online, some cell phone poker game or something where they get celebrities to endorse it via cameo. It's the weirdest fucking shit where they're clearly like paying someone on Cameo to read ad copy because it will cost them less than hiring someone to actually be the spokesperson. And the videos they include have the Cameo watermark still on them. And Snoop Dogg is one of them where I'm like Snoop Dogg's just sitting in his living room and some guy with some shitty poker app is sending him like $500 to be like this is my favorite game on my cell phone. I play it every day. Snoop Dogg in
1: 2018 set the um Guinness World Record for the largest paradise cocktail by creating a 550 liter gin and juice drink. So just uh so, you know that's that's something that's been going. This is what you know it that that it's that's what you're talking about. Girl. It's the wild yeah. ride of I don't know his like post 2000s persona being like commodified. I mean, he's obviously making money and having fun, I assume. I don't know. I
2: don't
1: know. He does like an album every year. Like he's 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 recorded like 18 albums. Yeah. Listen,
2: <laughs> you know, rappers are not a monolith. There are rappers who are good actors and who are willing to do the work. Method Man, he's a good Rules. actor. the best, yes. Wiz Khalifa, I, we're, I, I, I will say, you know, there's some bias, but he's a really good actor. And I was working with him on set. He was really nice and he was like, good script I read it and I was like thanks
0: Wiz Khalifa have, have you worked with Method Man IO um
2: I I have I have seen Method Man read for something
0: he is unfucking believable on he set he was
2: really good
0: <laughs> a he's a great actor b it's just like that is a guy who is so good at like treating every single person on set like royalty and being kind and being really hardworking, and like everyone fucking likes that guy okay. with linkedin jobs we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need marketing wizards found them software engineers found that project manager i could never seem to hire and found LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Anyway, this movie starts with a fully grown Tyrese in utero. That's right. That sounds He's right. in the womb, baby. He's a baby boy. He's you a baby it? boy. Yes. Um. And John Singleton just uh, uh, literally just spells out his thesis of the movie with like a block of text at the very beginning, uh, a voiceover.
1: Yes. The thesis of the movie, Griffin. Please. Please go ahead.
0: A a generation of young black men not growing up. Right. In a culture that sort of supports that infantilization. But
1: here's what I like about this movie and... feel free to disagree with me i this movie never feels like luxury despite that thesis which sounds so fraught yeah you know what i mean like you like you might like hear that or start this movie or watch a scene for this movie be like oh this is a movie about how x is the problem with young black men in america or how like y is the problem with like how we're raising people you know like and it's not that at all it feels like candid and like it's very interested and it's very interested in the inner lives of its characters but it's not trying to be like the, here's the systemic thing we need to talk about which boys in the hood is more about and like yeah then that's fine like it works with boys in the hood. that's such a message movie but like this feels like despite it being like spiritually related to that movie
0: not that At all. It's much more of a character study. I mean, it is. It does feel like the movie of just like John Singleton, like, as we said, looking at a dude in the mall and being like, hmm, what is that guy's afternoon like? You know, I also think this movie uh, largely succeeds in telling an interesting line between, uh, you know, just actually depicting this guy's behavior, good and bad. You know, just being interested in him as a complicated, contradictory person, and also someone who's very much in progress is not fully formed.
1: Yes, um, I am now reading. Yes, okay. So this movie is also horny as hell. Very horny.
2: Yeah, I, I was, I, I laughed during. <laughs> there's this particular sequence that I laughed out loud. Um, it. It's just Taraji having sex with him, with, with Tyrese, after, uh, after they have the fight, like, outside yeah. the apartment complex. And this is the the one that, like, it, it's only her. It doesn't intercut with anyone else. And, I mean, she's just yelling, um, like, insane... <laughs> insane amount of screaming and back and forth between them. And I like laughed. And then I was like, Oh wait, maybe this isn't supposed to be funny. But I, And then it kept going. And I was like, it's funny to me. Um, even if it's not supposed to be funny, this one in particular is making me laugh. Well, it, the movie,
0: it, it, it's so tonally interesting. Cause as you said, David, it goes into like these weird dreamlike states, but I also feel like at times he experiments with going like very broad. There there yes. are scenes in this movie that are pitched very comedically and things in this movie that are deathly serious. And I'm always a sucker for people experimenting with tone that much and trying to reconcile wildly different energies within one film. But it does sometimes create an odd experience where you're not sure how any given scene is supposed to be
1: interpret it. here's a quote from singleton that i really like where he's just like he seems to be i like he he, he just he, it's what we're talking about with in terms of fame and in terms of the weird pressures of making a movie that gets you an oscar nomination when you're you know barely out of college and you know you're the first black filmmaker to ever get a dirt you know all that People that are bougie can kiss my ass if they think they can tell me what kind of movie I'm supposed to be making. Get real. This is an ethnographic film of the time, just like Boy wa- Boys was. There are no cops. There's no white people. It's all insular. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else. It stays in the community. It's all right there. It feels like he's like, life is realistically comical and dramatic and violent and also mm-hmm. like goofy, right? Like mm-hmm. He's just kind of like, I don't want this movie to be point a to point b like you know i'm here's the arc of a person and and, and that's that right like he's kind of mm-hmm. like i just want to throw my camera into the middle of these conversations these arguments and this like you know love making and like this violent like you know i don't know like but it's that's so y- yeah daring in a way that boys in the hood is is it feels very like controlled compared to this. It's, movie. it's a
0: yes. It's certainly a much more straightforward. Film. Yeah. yeah.
2: But I also think I also wonder how much of that is to do, like to do with like you know your first like your first films versus the ones where you do have okay, dare I say it, that blank check. Um, okay. But I I I mean like even with my like pilot samples, I don't know. I just like remember when I first was like looking for representation or first looking to get hired, it's like, you do stuff that is more controlled because you're also like, these are me. I'm like, I'm young. I want people to know that I know how to do this. Like I want people to know that I, you know, know how to write. And I don't know if he had those impulses as well. And so you take structure and take form and you try to attach your interests. But as you write more and create more and experience more, it's like, you know what? there's going to be a grown man in utero and snoop yeah. dog is actually going to have a pressing curl and <laughs> that is what i want to show the world and yeah. if you get it you get it and if you don't then well you know i try but hey maybe it's not for you to get maybe I, people just need to understand
0: that snoop dog will have a pressing curl right i also think it's interesting that this is a point in time where like spike lee's career is kind of in a dip at least in terms of like Mm -hmm. widespread spread recognition respectability right like this is the period where people are like i don't know he's making like small weird shit uh you know and and then like you know he has a swing back towards more commerciality then he sort of like dips again and then now he has his like later sort of oscar run he's been on but um I feel like when you read uh, reviews of Spike Lee movies in the late 90s when people are kind of, like, turning on him, it's mostly about that tonal shit. Where they're like, why is some of this so goofy? Like, why is he taking these huge swings? Why is Mm -hmm. he getting expressionistic in this moment? Why can't he make something that's, like, all on the same level? And there was that feeling where, like— wait.
2: Oh, I I sorry, I just saying. I can't wait for everybody to return to Ma in fifty years and realize I was right.
0: Oh yeah. I think oh. you've already been been winning that argument.
2: Well I will mean, keep fighting. I'll keep fighting a good fight. <laughs> but but yes, Dude. this
1: yeah, sorry, no. go ahead, go ahead. Take notes. I don't note. I, say... I, I I can't do a Tate Taylor uh tangent, which I was about to fire up. I can't do it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> give us a little, give us a little take. It's just crazy that he's done two movies since Ma. It's just wild that there's yeah. two movies from Tate Taylor have just come out since Ma. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the man's insane.
1: Anyway, the man's insane. <laughs> and he probably should have made The Woman in the Window. Don't you think he probably should have made The Woman in the Window? Like, I haven't seen it yet, yes. but it sounds like the problem with that movie is that it takes itself too seriously. <laughs> yes. And, like, he should have just been... like he, Tate Taylor is the one to ask, what if there was a woman in the window? Like, she, he's the one to ask. He
0: was the only one who had the courage to ask, what if there was a
1: girl on a train? That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's what I'm saying. And that movie is dog shit and it's watchable and it's that's the Tate Taylor experience and like yeah. that's where we need to go. But anyway, I'm sorry for taking us on a brief Tate Taylor uh, tangent.
0: A TTT. A t- t- t.
2: Not, not unlike a TGT. It, <laughs> not too far away.
0: This movie is not narrated other than this opening where you sort of have this yeah. like... This immediate, like, uh, a full-force blast into this guy's brain, right? Where you're hearing this internal monologue, uh, sort of him trying to, like, come to— un- uh, s- Summarize his life, I guess, to some degree, uh, but also the culture that he's a product of. And you're also just seeing all of his key relationships established really quickly. I do like—I mean, I feel like it's deliberate that, you know, they they talk about at the beginning, like— the language of you know they they call it a crib they call it like your friends are your boys and then you call your your women ma right and then uh not not octavia spencer ma of course but
2: mm. one can hope one can dream
0: but but you see both of uh the women who have uh, mothered his children and then when you get to his mother it takes a moment for you to realize oh this is literally his mother because the age difference is not that great and he's calling her by the same name that he calls that. Right.
1: And he's kind of sexually jealous of his mother. Not, yes! Not in like a, you know, completely on the surface way, but like Ving Rames is coming up and his... They call his it kinda, out. Ving
0: Rames yeah. calls it out his Oedipus shit. Yeah. And it's so,
2: there's one particular, like, moment when when um his mom and Ving Rames are going on the date and um, the blocking is just like, it's so funny where yeah. he's basically like holding on to his mother then Ving Rames crosses and comes around and takes his mother and you see Tyrese like almost like try to still hold on to his mom and like adjust as they like go out of frame and he's still like doing this this again like weird thing that I think like the movie deals with and, and tries to show in a lot of different ways but like where he's both the father that isn't there and the son and like being a baby but also trying to be like like trying to be perceived as like some sort of intimidating adult figure and it's just not happening at all.
1: It's which is why Rames is is so well cast because Tyrese is this really handsome really you know yeah masculine in shape dude mm-hmm. yeah and then bing rames comes in and he just looks like a refrigerator and he's, he's a man. Right. He is so like he is sexy a yes.
2: lot of man He's a, a lot dude. of man yes
1: like yes. him making the eggs and just like he's Showing just so tush. insanely virile his ass is incredible his ass is <laughs>
2: incredible he's got the tightest ass in the world it's crazy or, it's crazy to find a tighter ass than tyrese's
0: but it really kind of is being cause he he also shows tush, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And I remember going like, I did not expect it to be that tight, <laughs> cause he's sort of a stocky guy, but he's yeah. just like
1: the way he's lit, the just the, the just, but also just the utter confidence of him as a performer, just you know, like the complete uh assuredness
2: i mean that's the voice of arby's babe (laughs) it is he's got the meat one could
0: argue that ving is the one who's got got the meat meat, okay ving's got the meat but i also feel like we're saying like he's just as reliable a screen presence from like 92 to 2002 as anybody right but the other thing Mm -hmm. is ving is so good at playing off of movie stars. Like, even a movie like this, where it's like, here's a new movie star, uh, but compared to also things where he's playing off of, like, Tom Cruise, or Bruce Willis, or John Travolta, or Nicolas Cage, or whoever, I just feel like he's so good at finding the right complementary energy for whoever's at, like, the center of the frame. And whenever he enters into any scene of a movie, he's the guy you're paying attention to, but he somehow also is making the other person look good at the same time time. Like he's a weirdly generous actor for someone who is that much of an innate scene mm-hmm. stealer. Mm. Uh and and it, I just feel like anytime he is in this movie it's a masterpiece. Like the 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 Ving Rhames Tyree scenes are just so fucking like loaded for me. Just feel like so dense in in the best possible way there's so much going on and just watching the two of them play off each other is so endlessly fascinating and his shifts are so fascinating like he does these hairpin turns from when he's being sort of condescending to him and infantilizing to when he's really Mm -hmm. trying to be supportive to when he's being antagonistic he's got such a live wire energy while also being kind of quiet and steady
2: it makes it so exciting to watch i can also i don't know obviously projecting but it's like i feel like you feel tyrese being like a better actor like you feel yes. him trying to be on that same wavelength and like that that first scene where they're like feeling each other out and i, I feel like i mean he does it seem to seem but especially in that scene it's like it's like line to line where it's like is this reading condescending Or trying to, like, connect. And I don't know, you can just, like, feel Tyrese being, like, are we good? Do you not like me? Oh, do you hate me. Oh, you pity me. Oh, like, I don't know. It's just, it's cool.
1: This is something Emilio Diaz, friend of the show, said on Letterboxd, I think. But, like, Tyrese is weirdly good at playing low status for such a handsome and talented man. Yes. Like, And that's
0: become his comedic persona now in Fast and Furious is he acts Mm. like he's king shit and everyone tells him he's stupid. Yeah.
1: Right. As as he leans into it as like a right as a sort of supporting movie star. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in this he's playing a much more emo version of that. But like Mm. he's just carrying a lot of like, you know, this is about a 20 year old guy who has two kids from two different women. He doesn't have a job. He lives with his, mom. you know, like, you know, he's obviously like pretty lost. And he just convincingly carries all that in his shoulders without it without giving this like extremely overwrought performance. He's just yeah, just very realistically kind of like lost and burdened and and like emotional about it like when he's fighting with taraji's characters when Yvette like especially like he's such a baby. Like he, he's so horrible mm-hmm. at emotionally communicating. There's that the, scene where she's like berating him. Like, you know, are you, are you cheating on me? Like the, the condom in a car person? scene
0: is unbelievable. Yeah. Like she's so fascinating. Cause you're just like, you want to scream at the screen and go like to fucking like, just engage with her. Like respond to what yeah. she's saying. Engage with her as a human being. So, this is look, what movies are like. Kind of none. This, that's, this is why I
1: think this movie is so fascinating. Like, they, they're just like, how many movies are there? I mean, of course, there are movies about just people who are like fuck ups and don't do, but like, the, the, there's no like, there's not like a lot of central spine to Baby Boy. It's just, you're just kind yeah. of like rattling around with this guy who is likable, but also a tough hang and who yes. <laughs> is often, often really, you know, a sweetheart. Yeah. But then often, like, you know, he, he, he hits a woman. He's, you know,
0: cruel. He's obviously completely... He makes
2: a woman get an abortion. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. That's it, it, it is kind of incredible that this movie opens with, like, him reciting the text of that, that that study, right? And then you see in that opening sequence the flash forward of him hitting Taraji, and then the first proper scene of the movie is him picking her up at an abortion clinic and being a totally distant asshole about it like it's it's an incredible position to start a character a central character at the beginning of a movie because you're like in the hole with this guy just being like Mm -hmm. this guy seems like he sucks like i'm just gonna find this guy so frustrating in his inability to get his shit together and act like an adult but but i think Tyrese and and the movie is good at framing this playing the tension of like there are the moments where the guy has this kind of lucidity and emotional intelligence that make it all the more frustrating when he backs away from that like you can see the full adult in there and he's constantly fighting whether or not to actually let it sprout it's
2: I I I think also it's like a credit to John Singleton as a director for like letting that rattle and letting that go on. And, but I think also like part of his intention of just being like, you know, black people are not a monolith and like, you know, there are these community issues and things I want to talk about, but I'm not going to maybe give you the answer that solidifies your preconceived notions or gives you what, like some sort of moralistic, like, I don't know put down or whatever like this is just about a guy this is about a guy first and foremost
1: right it's about a guy who's uh, inscrutable in a lot of ways and it's mm-hmm. like singleton beholding people on the street and being like yeah what's the inner life of this person i bet it's complicated what's like the i bet it's right. not this guy simple. who's at right. this
2: auntie and's in front of me what, what,
0: <laughs> right
2: you know i'm at the orange julius i'm in line i'm asking questions <laughs>
0: I also feel like part of the design of the movie is that the guy is kind of, like, pointedly unexceptional, you know? Like, mm-hmm. even in terms of the the events of the film, it is not like anything extraordinary really happens to him or he does anything extraordinary. Like, the scale of both the good and bad for him is pretty, like, ground level, you know? And it sort of is this consideration of just, like, as you said, like, this is any guy, you know? This is just some guy, but it's a guy that a movie does not usually interrogate this deeply. And and few movies ever interrogate their lead characters this deeply, especially if you're looking at, like, commercial studio filmmaking of the 2000s. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: Io has brought her dog onto the zone. and I
2: just want to say that, guy. Uh... I start the movie, about a dog. Oh my god, Gromit! Oh my
0: hey. god, Gromit!
2: he's like a nut. He's like so self-centered. He can't like see outside of dogs and movies.
1: I love that he's called Gromit. Like, are there <laughs> the the because the plot thing that we haven't discussed, I guess, is the sort of like return of Snoop Dogg. Like that uh-huh. that's the closest so that's thing this movie has the to last like sort of high stakes stuff. And it's really the minutes. last act. Right. right. Yeah. He
0: yeah. he has these premonitions throughout the movie of him dying, Definitely. right?
1: There's the sort and of a, like and by the way, this is a long movie. It's like two hours and ten minutes long, which yeah. is like crazy. Like it, it highly uncommercial of it to be sort of this sort of like long, hangouty movie with not a lot of plot.
0: Right. But uh but yes, he has these premonitions of him dying, but that's sort of more like casting a shadow over the movie than it is, like, an ongoing tension. He wants to figure out, like, a career for himself. Uh So there's this, like, side hustle of him selling dresses and trying to figure that out, which you almost think, like, is this going to become the whole movie? But it's just a thing. He's got this friend who's, like, more of a loose cannon than he is. Uh He's got these relationships with these two women. I mean, I I think it's kind of a failing of the movie that the other baby mama doesn't really exist uh i i'm not saying maybe that like you know i need her to be as fleshed out as taraji but it does feel a little odd that she is so much just like another person yeah
2: and like if anything kind of like a frustration complication for uh and complication for um yvette taraji p henson's character like Maybe this is wrong, but I feel like the baby mama, the second baby mama, um, whose name might be like Peanut, is.
1: Peanut. It is Peanut.
2: Yes. Is she like, I feel like they're like in the same amount of scenes, like her and Tyrese and her and, and, yeah. and, and, and Yvette.
1: Her, her, the actress is Tamara Lacian Bass. Like, I've never heard of her. I don't, I mean, no no offense. But, uh, but she uh, just but, you know, doesn't,
0: know. So. it's never given that much to do and is certainly yeah. not really given interiority almost
2: the mother's character the the peanuts mother almost ha- like kind of yeah. has more authority and more things to say
1: yeah uh yeah candy and brown uh, yeah 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 i know but it's also funny that this movie is advertised as tyree snoop dogg and ving rames yeah when mm. taraji is sort of a huge part of it she's kind of the second absolutely character right like that's that's pretty no it's like
2: you would think that like Snoop Dogg I mean just like by the poster and like knowing and be like oh okay like Snoop Dogg is his best friend character is gonna try to get him like um, into gang life and away from his family and it's like no he's nope he's just kind of crazy crazy guy <laughs> right he's
0: like a lunatic who comes in at the end of the movie and creates conflict but
2: you earlier described him as a black hole and i think that that is like i don't know i've just been thinking about that
0: yeah he just sort of like sucks everything into his orbit but which is um, like that
2: makes sense why he's like also sort of spare has to be a little bit sparingly yeah used here because um when he's on screen it's like oh god
0: (laughs) but the first 75 minutes are pretty much just like these three main dynamics in his life of taraji his mother and ving rames right Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's like primarily sort of like confrontation scenes with those three characters and then omar gooding sort of exists as his sounding board like anytime he's in a scene with omar gooding it's not really about omar gooding it's about now he's actually able to express himself like he's Mm -hmm. more verbal uh, than he uh, about emotionally with with Gooding than he is with anyone else. Um, and, I mean, and I you call both of these things out, but I do think like in Singleton's filmography, I think this movie is the most interesting in terms of a how he works with actors and b blocking. Like it really feels like he's trying a lot of shit in both of those areas. Like I feel. Especially those confrontation scenes with those three characters I mentioned all feel like uh, acting class exercises in the best way, where they're not like showboaty, like I'll out act you shit, but they feel like let's really experiment with energy, right? And changing the status from line to line within a scene of sort of who has the ball who has the upper hand and there are all these sequences that are built around really really interesting blocking i mean he's doing a lot of sort of like expressionistic physicality like non-literal this is not necessarily what someone would do physically in this scene but this is kind Mm -hmm. of the most ecstatic expression of how these characters are feeling in these scenes. And there are also a couple sequences where he's like monologuing to Omar Gooding where it starts in like a real wide shot of them walking around some environment and then slowly both like the camera moves in and they move towards the camera until it becomes like a Tyrese Mm close-up. And it's like literally this character forcing himself into being like the center of the frame and commanding the movie and really feeling like he has some clarity on who he wants to be in his life. Um, it, It just feels like a movie that is very directed in a good way. Like, yes. He's trying a lot of stuff. He's trying yeah. a lot of shit.
2: Wow, there's like a block that's interesting like in the end of the movie with like his mother and the rose garden that I find yeah. like so like striking and clearly just such like a visual image and it also reminded me of cuz I was hanging out with my friend Emma um Seligman, who directed Shiva Baby the okay. other day and we yeah. watched a movie together that um, is a really stupid movie. Um, Keeping the Faith.
1: Oh, oh, yes. Keeping the Faith is great. Keeping the and, Faith uh, rules. It, My but, wife's favorite movie of all time.
2: Okay, and we love when women love this movie. Um, yeah, Emma yes. loves it and was, like, referencing scenes that were references, like, just in terms of blocking. And I was like, "That's this is so hilarious to me that this was one of your references. But only to that, say that, yeah. like... That that ending blocking it, it reminded me in a weird way of Moonlight and mm. that last scene with Naomi Harris and the beautiful man who's uh who? Gervante. Gervante Gervante Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah. Rhodes. Um like it reminded me of that like last scene in the garden, like with that sort of like people don't sit like this in in, in real right. life. But it heightens the the moment and 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 the and it adds to this overall feeling that this movie has created of like dreamy things feeling so real and real life feeling like this bizarre dream especially for this man who is in such a an in-between state in his life and in his and, and in his
0: choices right but that's like i mean that's where the sort of good version of the acting class thing comes to me where it's like, you know, okay. You have two actors who have like worked on some text and have tried to perfect the most literal version of it. And a good acting teacher knows how to do this. Well, and a bad acting teacher does this just sort of like performatively. um, But where they're like, okay, now do this scene again, but this time play it like you're an alien, you know, or play it like, you're hungry and that's the only thing you're thinking about where you like do a run through of it with some odd note that is not intuitive, but somehow might unlock some odd energy in some other area of the scene. And like that whole stretch, I know we're jumping all around, but the whole stretch of uh, the mother finding the weed in the rose garden, yelling at Tyrese about it, him defending himself, Ving Rhames coming home Owning up to it. Tyrese trying to get her to throw Ving Rhames out. Like just the constant energy shifts in that whole sequence are so fascinating, you know? And, and just Ving's character in general is just so fascinatingly rendered. I mean, here's another thing I just want to call out, which is, uh, um, this is from, uh, the village voice piece about this movie, when it was coming out that greg tate wrote uh where singleton said there's a talk of a sequel to shaft but sam jackson and i want it in our contracts that there will be some sex you can look at baby (laughs) boy and see all the sex that was frustrated on shaft i put it down in this one
1: the horniness (laughs) and we we talk about in the shaft episode how he was annoyed that he couldn't i don't know like have horniness all over that movie yes right it's all spilling into this one
0: And then this is the incredible quote from Singleton. He said, uh, as soon as AJ came in for the first day of rehearsals, Ving picked her up, put her on his shoulders and acted like he was eating her out, like, hey, what's up? And then he was smacking her ass. And she was like, I don't feel that. I said, yeah, this is what it's all about. I wanted this movie to be almost as soulful as a Marvin Gaye record. And man, those actors bared their souls for me. The sex scenes in this movie are so bizarre because i feel like there is a uh there is an odd honesty to the odd power dynamics that are often inherent in any sexual uh activity and on top of that the goofiness of sex like there is a wide array of like sex it's sex is goofy right like you have you have a scene like that scene where he is like crouched with AJ in his arms, and Tyrese is knocking on the door, asking him to quiet down. That is played as like pure comedy. But then you also have the scene after Tyrese hits Taraji P. Henson, where he goes down on her. That is like one of the most complicated sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie, in terms of just the weird collection of emotions at play. Like he's using sex in a lot of different ways in this movie, but. The biggest way is just you rarely see uh sex depicted on screen this broadly,
2: I mean the man had like seven or eight kids I yeah. think that's on his wikipedia it's seven or yes. eight the the man fucked
0: a lot the,
1: the, it's yes it's worth we have not really delved into the man is complicated uh is Very. about the mildest way to put it, uh but yeah, he is the father yeah. of eight children uh yeah i'm not sure why wikipedia says seven or eight citation yeah. needed up there but it looks like it was eight uh that uh, you know there's there's this washington post profile of him about this movie that's points this out where it's like at that point he had five children with four different women he'd had this um you know uh sort of alimony argument with one of the mothers of his children.
0: I I mean, we should talk about this. Yeah, Yeah, because this happens right before this movie. There is a domestic abuse incident with the mother of one of his children. Tasha Lewis, yeah. uh, Right, that also then gets caught up in an alimony lawsuit, and then as part of the settlement, he has to make a short film against domestic violence. But that all happens, like, right around this time before this movie.
1: And he also, like, was fairly dismissive of the whole thing, where he was like, I pled no contest to get the charges off of me. And like, I want to make this domestic violence film about violent women. Like I, it did not seem like he was someone who took, uh, whatever, you know, whatever the sort of, uh, resolution of that case was no. seriously.
0: You know, but, you know Like it, it, <laughs> what, what? Like, but, but no, but I, I think the bigger point you're trying to make is yes. Okay. A, a obviously a very complicated guy with, with his issues, but, uh, This Washington Post piece was this guy, whoever was interviewing him, saying, like, it feels like there's some interesting parallels in this movie. Obviously, you have a very different career and you're 10 years older and you work in the industry, but you've had children with different women and you had this uh, domestic abuse allegation thrown against you and all this stuff. Is there, like, some sort of you trying to, I don't know, reckon with this point in your life thing? And he, like, completely – dispelled all of that like he very aggressively fought against the idea that this movie was any reflection of anything that he was dealing with internally
1: he's like no no no. i was just hanging out and like watching people and like trying to understand yeah
0: it's funny it's
2: also like i don't know i feel like i can say anything about my work and i can be like this has nothing to do with me or whatever right like subconsciously in certain level you do wonder like yeah i don't know how much of this is does is attached to your life and
1: every movie's about yeah that's something we say a lot every movie is sort of
0: about the director like in some way or other That's the jd amato thing Mm -hmm. right right but this is like in the in the washington post piece he like says uh uh, you know, like in trying to explain why this character is totally different from him. Right. He says he doesn't have the resources that I have, both economic and mental. I'm a 33 year old man with a job. And it's like, right. But that's sort of this thing where like I was talking about earlier, where like filmmakers make movies about who they think they could have been in a different life, where it's like, right, this is a movie about you without those resources possibly like I think part of the empathy of the movie is he understands that's like well maybe if I didn't have those economic and mental resources I would not have been able to become a filmmaker and I might not have figured out what I wanted to do with my life you know but he worked overtime to try to position this as like no this movie is an act of imagination for me it's like empathetic imagination it's not any form of interiority Uh, soul searching yeah
1: um i i just have to imagine i mean it's interesting to be fair he did write this movie years earlier like that's that's the sort of yeah you know because obviously the movie's coming Uh out in the middle of his life essentially but like he did i suppose write it more in the sort of like post boys in the hood phase of his career and he wanted you know for tupac and all that but like you know it feels it feels more personal than some of his work especially some of his upcoming work you know what i mean like it kind of feels like his last personal movie this the yeah it's his yeah. last uh, like intimate drama uh it it's this sort of it's it, it's this weird grace note on a career that continues that that which
0: is just that that, that rarely happens uh yeah and i you know i agree with io that i think There would have been a second act for him, whether it had continued in television or back to movies or whatever it was. It did feel like he was uh, evolving into another stage of his career after being lost in the wilderness for a little bit. Uh, But right, because he tragically dies young. This ends up being like kind of the last movie of its kind in his career. And the next three films are odd in their own ways. Do we have anything else we want to say about Baby Boy? The thing that I just don't
1: particularly vibe with in this movie is the ending where he, where Omar Gooding shoots Snoop Dogg, just because it feels like it's kind of happening to have something happen at the end. I just yes. don't really. And also,
2: it is hard for me not to like imagine like, okay, so what happens? Nobody gets arrested. There's nobody that comes after these guys, right? And
1: they're also like Omar Gooding, like, had said at one point earlier he wants to get baptized, and the movie's like, Yeah, he, you know what, he kind of converted to Christianity, got over it. (laughs) This character that's sort of like in the background of a lot of scenes, but is, you know, we don't really
0: delve into too much, like, they don't, but that's like, yeah, it's another issue, which is you're watching this movie, you most likely have already seen Boys in the Hood, right? Uh In that movie. Omar Gooding's brother is on the fence about taking part in some, like, uh, uh, revenge, right? Uh, uh, And, like, sits it out, Ice Cube makes the move, and the movie famously ends with Ice Cube disappearing and you being told that he was killed in, like, retaliation two weeks later, right? So it's like you're having all these visions of the guy dying. But when you actually get to the scene, I mean, I guess that's a scene to talk about uh, where they they go uh, attack the um, the the gang of dudes who jumped him and sort of just try to embarrass them above all else. And like Omar Gooding is the instigator. Like he's the doughboy in that situation. And Tyrese is the guy who's constantly waffling in and out and like how much he wants to be doing this. It does feel odd that that final shooting against Snoop Dogg is just sort of like... And then that just happened when the same decision is made in Boys in the Hood and it, like, destroys everyone's life. You know? Yeah. It's, like, a, a thing of such consequence that then in this, it's like... And then we see Omar Gooding get baptized in the end credits, as you said. It's just sort of like this odd... I don't know. It, it makes it feel like... Snoop Dogg is some, like, uh, boss level of a video game, you know? Where it's just like, well, and and then, of course, you have to defeat him. It
2: ends also in this way, I don't know, I keep thinking about, like, I, because it's the end credits, and also there's that thing, there's a little bit of, like, when Omar Gooden gets baptized, it almost reminds me of the beginning of, like, Tyrese in, in Utero, and, like, yeah. I don't know. I know it's happening, and I know it's real, but there is a part of but me that I'm, maybe like... maybe it's not. Maybe it's not.
0: And he's also ramping that shit up more towards the end of that movie. I mean, I yes. think the sequence... The drive-by shooting with Snoop Dogg is a really good sequence, where he yeah. thinks that he has been shot, and that you see... That sequence is phenomenal. It totally works. That sequence is phenomenal. His perspective, mm-hmm. but also in that period of time when he thinks he's been shot, or is imagining that he was shot you're seeing the glimpses of, like, the life that he's not going to live, right? And there's, like, that really interesting montage of, like, him imagining getting married to Taraji, but also him replaying his moments of embarrassment. And it's both, like, literal memory and projections of a possible future. And, like, that scene kind of crystallizes, I feel like, the most interesting shit this movie has going on, which is just, like, it's about a guy who's sort of at, like, a crossroads despite the fact that he feels like he's in no rush to need to do anything um all of that in credit shit I do agree Io. like I believe it's meant to be taken literally but tonally it does feel kind of closer to all of those projection fantasy sequence glimpses it's an interesting movie I don't know a lot going on it's an interesting movie (laughs)
1: Snoop Dogg's not bad in it it's just, it's just, no, it's, sure, sure. it's just a weird subplot. Taraji is amazing. Yeah. Tyrese is great. Ving is amazing. There, there's a lot of great yeah. things, but also, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. It's not the kind of movie where I'd just be like, oh, you should check out Baby Boy. Oh, what's it about? Um, you know, like you know, it, it, yeah. it's right, right, right. it's not the easiest sell. It's not the easiest watch. It's really intense and um, you know, kind of difficult. But it's also really funny and you know, has a lot of scenes that like like you said io like if you just have this on that right there are scenes you that you grew to hate because they were just so memorable yes.
0: basically
2: yes basically yes i remembered the movie too much and i resented it
0: sure right but like there there are scenes that are just so compelling in this like the condom car argument the scene where ving rames gets him in a headlock yes the final v- ving rames tyrese gun scene is kind of amazing as well another just-
2: moment of like this isn't real blocking, but it's effective.
0: It's super effective, yes. It's very theatrical, mm-hmm. like, um, but I, I don't know. It's like, it's its an interesting glimpse of a side of Singleton that never really got to develop past this, perhaps. You know? Mm. Um, it's just so fucking odd that it's like, 2000 Shaft, 2001 Baby Boy, 2002 Too Fast Too Furious it makes this film feel even more anomalous. And then, you know, then he just makes two smaller uh, commercial action movies of which, you know, Four Brothers is, you know, obviously more personal, but it's still him trying to make a hit movie. Yeah. Uh I I, I want to p- well let's play the box office game, but before that, I just have a couple
1: of pieces of breaking news I want to drop to you guys that it broke while the podcast was happening. One, the Golden wow, Globes okay. will not be happening next year. Wow! NBC will not air them, and they've been essentially canceled. So that's one thing. Wow! No Globes. Uh, Glo- um, yeah.
0: Good riddance. Yeah. Is
2: this like, is this like Emily in Paris like protest?
1: <laughs> exactly Yeah, exactly. Emily in Paris is returning her globes in fury. Did she win them? I forget. Um uh, Tom Cruise returning his globes though. Tom Cruise actually returned his globes. Yes, all three of Was them. Was
2: that is that your other piece of news? No,
1: my other David? piece of news is Dave Bautista has been cast in the Knives Out sequel. Which yeah, is, which is. I kind of love. Absolutely. Yes. Kind of dig all that. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh anyway. Oh,
2: good for everybody involved. Dave Bautista yeah. who
1: famously fought Daniel Craig on a train in one of the Bond movies. Yeah. I think Spectre, I can't even remember. Uh yeah. So so they're back together.
2: That man's so big. I'm sorry. So I've got to say it. You
1: you just have to acknowledge how large he is.
2: Good for yeah. Ryan Johnson. He seems like he's like
1: chilling. He I think he is chilling like a villain yes <laughs> i hope they announced
0: that dave batista is also getting 95 million dollars for the knives Yeah, what if sequel? that's the thing everyone
1: has to get the same amount of money so it, it, eventually the movie costs billions of dollars and only 12 people are involved because <laughs> they're like a bunch is out of control wait
2: i have another piece of breaking news hit me please That's so exciting for (laughs) only the person involved in the breaking news. Joseph Gordon-Levitt confirmed Secret Knives Out cameo.
0: Oh, oh my God! He he had one that, or he's going to have one. Is he like a voice on a phone? What was his?
2: Had one. He had one in 2019, and he will have one in the future. Whoa! He's had a cameo in every single one of Ryan Johnson's films, from Brick to The Brothers Bloom, and even Star Wars: The Last Jedi. it's a tradition that I'd love to keep.
0: Who did he play in Knives Out?
2: It, it's a voice in the beginning. Keep your ears open.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Okay. A threat. Literally, literally a a threat from Joseph fucking Gordon Levitt. (laughs) <laughs> and i actually put the fucking in the wrong place i should have put it between gordon and love it i, I
3: agree i gordon, agree with you. that was, that was yeah. a mistake I apologize. but you know
2: yeah hey writing is rewriting that's what yeah. i do
0: <laughs> writing is rewriting that's the Kaminsky method I've in never effect right there to do anything
2: else correct that is the method itself in practice
0: okay david let's play the box office game
1: this movie came out on june 29th 2001 okay
0: like a wild thing to think about shrek
1: uh, Shrek, is Shrek, still in the five? Shrek is number seven. Great guess. It, it, is in the t- it is in the ten. Here's the thing, Griffin. It'll, it's been a very long time, but we did this box office game many years ago oh. because this is the weekend that AI, artificial intelligence, came out. Wow, June. They dropped that in wow. June. That movie is the least June movie ever made. That movie should come out in like the secret month after December. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's a very nephew It's it's a, a <laughs> yeah, nephew release.
0: Yes. It is funny that like studios used to put like uh, harrowing personal passion projects from auteur directors in the middle of the summer. And they were like, "I don't know, they had hits in the past. Maybe you want to see this movie about a robot boy recognizing <laughs> that none of his feelings are real." Right.
2: So ugly, ugly ugly movie. Did did you see that thread that was like what's a movie that you think like truly put evil into yes, the world? the evil movie yes. thread and nobody said ai wow which makes you think
0: it's my kind of evil it,
1: here but here's the thing <laughs> In, and i want to shout yeah. out that it, number 9 is crazy beautiful which is a great movie uh that was sort sure. of like an instant vhs classic but but ai is an underwhelming number 1 right uh yeah it's opening to 30 million dollars which is i think was underwhelming right sure this is the, sure. yeah exactly um but number 2 three and four are all franchise movies, two franchise starters and a sequel. So number two, Griffin. Okay. Uh, it's the start of a long running franchise still going. It'll be welcoming Uh, us back to theaters soon.
0: It's the (gasps) fast and the furious. It's the fast and furious. And I also realized
2: connection.
1: There's a connection here. His
2: movie looming in the future of, uh, of in like his opening and how his, how is John to know? That's cool. My
0: my timeline was wrong. I forgot that Too Fast, Too Furious is 2003. Right. But it is interesting that this weekend, Fast and Furious, in it's what? Second weekend? It is its second weekend. Is beating John Singleton in his first weekend. And then Singleton's like, I guess if you can't beat him, join him. Yep, pretty much. Um, and so that's doing great. It's made 80 million bucks, basically, you know? Huge hit. Huge hit. Um, there, I remember what I believe is next at the box office, because this is a pivotal moment in my life where my mother dropped my brother and I off at the theater and said, you guys pick what you want to see, like leaving us alone to see a movie by ourselves. And I desperately wanted to see Dr. Doolittle Correct,
1: That is number three at the box office. And my
0: brother, Jamesy push for fast and furious, a gift that has kept on giving. Right. Uh, I have
1: seen Dr. Doolittle too. I remember there's a bear that poops, yeah, it's all. It's I about remember. mating. I sure. I, think. I don't know. Don't remember. I think they're camping a lot in that okay. movie. Ayo, have you seen Doctor Doolittle two?
2: Um, no.
1: All right. Uh, probably. It,
2: I mean, probably like in the backseat of like a SUV or something, right. like on a DVD player.
1: Yes, I think I saw it like a at a children's birthday party or something.
0: That that was like an era where. Eddie Murphy phoning in a Doctor Doolittle sequel three years later, and like ten million Americans are like, okay, I guess I'm contractually obligated to go see this. Sure, I guess they should like it just makes a hundred million. million dollars, yep. right? Um, it should have been called Doctor Doolittle more. Anyway, uh, number four at the box office. <laughs> Doctor Doolittle more. Yes, uh, Io Yeah, less. Yes, yes, yes. I O. As I said
2: previously, <sighs>
1: <laughs> uh, number four is a is a number video four. game film. It's a film about uh, based on a video
0: game. Hmm. It's Summer two thousand one. Oh, a fr- it's and a- there's a franchise. It's a Lara Croft Tomb Raider. It is the beginning of a short
1: franchise because it is Lara Croft Tomb Raider, <laughs> starring Angelina Jolie. Of course, they would make one more, and then they would reboot it, and now there's a sequel
0: coming. Ben. Wheatley is supposed to make the sequel, but he, we'll see if he, it ever happens. He got
1: fired. It's someone else now. Someone else did is, he? Yes, someone else is making it now. But now I, I can't remember who and it is. Doing the Meg two. He is doing the Meg two instead. Uh, maybe he didn't get fired. I shouldn't say, but he's not attached anymore. Tomb Raider two is now attached. Alicia,
2: to- Alicia Vikander flop season. Sorry.
1: Wow. Uh, It is now attached to Misha Green, the creator of uh, Lovecraft Country, is going to direct Tomb Raider Two. And yeah,
0: yeah, that's flop season. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Uh, (laughs) I like that first Tomb Raider movie. I felt like that had the bones of a good franchise. Let me make sure
2: she doesn't follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Has
0: some fun stuff,
1: (laughs) Alicia or Misha? That's who I (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah alicia on the burner
1: oh boy alicia mccander does she have a twitter doesn't look like she does uh good for her yeah i i, I we're, we're, we're we're united on that one griffin that movie's fun it's kind of fun yeah kind of fun it's got fun stuff it also has some sort of boring stuff but like when she's a bike messenger that's fun
0: and when she has to solve puzzle the color puzzle at the end of the movie that's the best The part. color puzzle scene is good yes um it is kind of astounding though where like uh tomb raider feels like it should just be a slam dunk autopilot franchise and they've essentially taken three bites at the apple and not gotten particularly close the closest
1: they got was the jolie movie the first one that one at least made
0: money no, well yeah but it's bad it's horrible. That was so fucking boring it's, terrible. it's one of the worst um, my dad still cites that as one of the worst films he's ever had to see right and I go like the worst. And he's like, because most of the bad movies I took you to as a kid, I could sleep through. But that one was also loud. <laughs>
1: too loud. Uh, young Daniel yeah. Craig in that one, too, of course. Hot. hot Bringing it back hot. around. Uh, yeah, Shrek is in there. Atlantis, The Lost Empire is in there. Mm. Uh, Pearl Pearl mm. Harbor.
2: I could have guessed that one. Yeah, you didn't
0: give Io the chance to guess it. I
1: only do the top five usually. I'm sorry.
2: There was no chance to guess in this game. Also, Griffin, no offense, you were in the memory palace.
1: I was in the memory uh, palace. When when it's 2001, when Griffin was 13
0: years old, he's in the
1: memory palace.
0: (laughs) But this is another thing you have to understand. This is the week, I believe, before I go to sleepaway camp for the first time in my life. So I'm fucking getting in all the movies I can. Okay, well, did you see the this movie- This so
2: insane to, like, have this much, like, memory. <laughs> vivid. Vivid
0: <laughs> memory.
1: Did you Did you see the movie opening at number 12 this week, directed by a very canceled comedian?
0: Uh, Freddy Got Finger? No.
2: Pootie Tang!
0: Yes. Oh, Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang, sorry, sorry. Freddy Got Finger came out in April. Um, I- did not see it in theaters. I'm actually realizing this. I think was the week. Sorry, I screamed though, so I got really excited
2: yeah, to man. know something.
0: I saw I saw thing on VHS when it came out. I remember being upset that I didn't see it while it was playing because it was only in theaters for like five days that I missed it. I was very amped for it. Yeah, so bad. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. That, but yeah, that's watched it. it on VHS. Watched it many times. Yeah.
2: I saw Atlantis
1: in theaters. You saw Atlantis in theaters. Did you see? Well, I... I saw
2: Atlantis in theaters. Yeah, and I saw Shrek in theaters. Shrek was the first movie I saw in theaters.
1: Shrek, Shrek was, the... was the
0: first movie you saw in theaters. How young are you? Yeah, That's distressing.
2: Um, well, I was like seven though. Yeah,
1: yeah, fair enough. Okay, okay. Uh... Or wait,
2: yeah, no, six. Sorry, I was six.
1: Rude. Well, I was fifteen, and I also saw Shrek <laughs> I in theaters. Have,
2: oh, I said sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, I said sorry. Apology
0: accepted.
1: Um, I also saw Swordfish in theaters, which is number ten at the box office.
0: We I didn't see that one in theaters, them. but I saw almost all of these in theaters. Though. Yeah,
1: I saw all of these. I did not see Atlantis in theaters or Doctor Dolittle too, but yes, this was a big theater time for me. First, for certain.
2: Oh my god! Sorry, I wasn't even. I didn't think I wasn't even six. I think it was five. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you like Shrek?
2: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I love Shrek. Well, I saw it more than once. I, that was like yeah. a big. That was part of it. And now Shrek is 20 my, years well, old, parents, which is
0: disgusting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I saw it Shrek 20th anniversary in theaters. Yeah. I went to the theaters and saw Shrek.
0: You you went to a recent 20th anniversary screening of Shrek?
2: Yeah, but it was kind of a mess because basically. Well, it was like the theater's first week
1: open. Wait, you're telling me a, a post-COVID 20th anniversary screening <laughs> of Shrek was kind of immense? What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> it basically was like um, the theater was like its first week open, so they barely had any candy. Only uh, the ooh. cherry icy worked. They didn't have uh, any of the other flavors. They had no chocolate candy, so I couldn't even get m ms with my popcorn. Then we went in the theater, barely finished the first act. What happens? The screen goes black. What? Then it starts Well, that's because
1: the first act of Shrek is so good that it probably just burned the reel. I mean, <laughs> that's honestly, probably what happened. <laughs>
2: well, the reel burned up and fizzled in, in, in the in the viewfinder. And then what started playing? QVC.
1: What? <laughs> just, just, just the Home Shopping Network? Just literally the Home the Shopping room.
2: Network
0: started playing. <laughs> I know that's quite a story.
1: That is pretty funny. I mean, I'm now imagining them being like, "Fuck, I don't know. Try and get another copy of the DCP. Throw on QVC just to distract
0: these idiots."
2: It was really crazy. We got a refund.
0: <laughs> that that aside, how did Shrek play for you today?
2: Um, it's like funny because I remembered. Ninety percent of the script, and I remembered also like quoting things with my friends, like as jokes that weren't jokes. Like they were just lines from Shrek.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Also, it looked horrible. That's bad.
1: It is. It is a terrible looking movie. I cannot imagine what it would look like watching that in a theater now.
2: Looked so bad. Yeah. Like, in every respect, it looked awful. but it was like fun to see Trek in theaters, and also, um, in the theater, like there so it was just me and my friend, and then like a mother and her young daughter, and I think like maybe the dad or something mm-hmm. um and it was really funny, like the kid was like barely laughing
0: <laughs> yeah, it just feels like we dunked on Trek. we were dismissive about Trek yes, in some episode a year or two ago. And no, a lot of our listeners, like closer to your age than ours, got very defensive yeah, you about guys it. Are, like, and old, my thing. Right? Yeah, we're yeah. old as fuck. 87. <laughs> but like, my sister was three when Shrek came out. I saw Shrek three times opening weekend. I was all about Shrek. My sister watched it all the fucking time. She had all the Shrek toys. Like, Shrek yeah. was like a very prevalent thing. I was a fan at the time. But I just, in my mind's Shrek eye, I was has like, a
2: star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
0: Well, look, he is a star. I'm not going to argue against that for a second. He's a star. You can't fake oh, that. So he, he, he paid for
1: that. You know, he he, he, he put it. Yeah, yeah, he put in He the money. put it up
0: there. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. what's next? Tom Cruise is going to return his damn star? Grow up. What do you think
0: this <laughs> business is? Oh, my God. They should, Sh- what if Shrek announced that he was returning his best animated feature, Golden Globe? He should. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I'm seeing a news story here. Uh. Uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association promises top to bottom reform hires Lord Farquaad to run. Oh, he's no oh, good. No, that guy. Oh no. Um, my my thing I owe, and I feel like your story supports this is I just think watching Shrek today, it is an ultimate time capsule movie. That yes. I think your relationship to watching it is going to be completely tied to your memories of it at the time, and yes. as you said, I cannot imagine that movie making sense to a child today it no. It was so reactionary, like everything about that movie was standing in opposition against what Disney was at the time, which it isn't yes. anymore yes, weird, yes, very weird,
2: but anyways, I mean, I don't know, it's like that movie to me is just kind of like an onion. Oh, okay.
0: I, I was, I was, I was debating making the same joke.
2: No, you weren't.
0: I was, I was, I was thinking about it. I was thinking yeah. about it and I'm glad you made it instead. You delivered it better. It's got layers. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's wrap it thank up. Thank you so much for being on the show again I know you're the best you're one of the funniest people in the world you're it's the best i like o
2: david sounding exhausted
1: well I look, I look come on i i'm sleeping like four hours a night give me a break if yeah. you guys are this pep in my step hey now
2: hey listen i i'm i'm not having a baby so that's what i did in order to get a good night's sleep <laughs> <laughs> i just didn't have a baby
0: yeah Smart. Right. And this is my, my method is I didn't have a baby and I also don't sleep well. So I need yeah. to find some. I need to pick a lane. The two of you have it figured out and I'm stuck in the middle. Right. Uh, well, I, we I,
2: can stay up late doing yeah, podcasts. True. In the morning, I'm making waffles. Okay, oh. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, oh. sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh,
0: Watch the Kaminsky Method on Netflix. Uh, watch <laughs> Big yeah. Mouth. <laughs> uh, Any, anything
1: else? Iconography yeah. dormant. Yeah, listen to old iconography it's, it's, episodes. It's
2: currently dormant, but we're, we're 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 trying to chef up some stuff.
0: Yeah, come on.
2: Listen to old episodes. But I don't know. Yeah, they're,
0: they're evergreen. Good. Evergreen content. Uh, next week, we're finally doing it. We're kicking things into gear for the first time ever in the history of blank check. We are covering a Fast and Furious movie. Too fast, too furious with john Gabris, that's right tune in for that wow
2: i'm really happy for you griffin
0: it's a it's a big day it's gonna be a a big 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 fucking day and also we could not have timed this out better and we didn't know because the movie's gotten fucking punted a bunch of times on the release schedule but our episode is now coming out like four days before fast nine comes out
2: are you seeing fast nine in theaters
0: uh io i am currently investigating the rates to rent out a private screen and how many people i could invent so i could uh just see fast and furious 9 with me familia uh see most of the people i have now not seen in 15 months
2: oh my god i am wishing you nothing but but luck and joy
0: I look. I want to. I'm trying to be realistic about this, but my expectations currently are that it needs to be the single greatest day of my life, and if it isn't, I will be crushed. (laughs) Yeah, that's that sounds right to me. That sounds fair. Putting everything on the idea of seeing this movie with my friends. Um, Sure. But thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media. Thank you to Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork
1: jj bursch and nick Loriano. yes our research. thank you
0: uh and uh aj McKeon and alex baron for our uh editing assistance and you can go to blankies.rad.com for some real nerdy shit and go to our t public page for uh or our shopify page both for some real nerdy uh merch and as always Trying to think of another Shrek quote.
2: <laughs> that <big> donkey. <laughs> <That big>
0: donkey.
2: <laughs> and as always, Donkey.
0: And as always, Donkey.
2: Not my buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. I don't